0: Good morning, Grace Point Church. Good morning to all of you watching online. I'm Kevin, one of the pastors here. So glad that you chose to be with us this morning. You know, when we talk about giving back to God, and sometimes you wonder, like, what is that all about? Where does it go? Well, I can tell you that as one of the pastors here, I get to the privilege of seeing God move in the hearts and lives of people. That when we give back to Him, we get to see lives change. And it is really a cool thing um, that we get to experience. So I want to thank you, Grace Point Church, for your faithful continued giving back to God and what God is taking with those monies received, how it is impacting lives, not only in our church, but out in our community. So before we begin our service today, I'd like to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today Thank you, God, for the lives that are being changed and the lives that are yet to be changed, God, by the faithful giving of people here at Grace Point Church. Thank you, God, for how that is impacting our community. God, I want to thank you for the churches in our community today. Christ the Rock Church and Pastor Dave, we pray your blessings on them as they gather together. Pray, God, that you would just continue to move through that church as they reach out into our community for you. Thanks for allowing us to be together here today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, Grace Point. Welcome. Won't you please stand and worship with us as we celebrate the Lord's amazing grace. One Such an amazing grace, and for those who have put their trust in Him, it is so, so sweet. We have a confidence that will not fail us. We're going to sing a hymn. It's my favorite hymn called "Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." Tis
2: so sweet to trust.
1: to you this morning in and, and worship and in awe. God, you are an incredible God. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God. Thank you. You may be seated. Before we continue on, yeah, give the Lord a clap offering. Our God is worthy of it. Amen. Before we continue on, I just wanted to share that one of the things that we really, really love to see at Grace Point is life change, the things that God is doing in the lives of our congregation. And so before we continue, I'd like you to watch this video of life change happening at Grace Point.
3: Hello. Grace Point friends, my name is Lexi and I'm so excited I have the opportunity to share with you a little bit about what God has been doing in my life through Grace Point Church. Now, I have a long history a very decorative history that would probably make for a great lifetime movie, but that's a video for a different day. But I would say the biggest turning point of my life happened in 2020. I was a brand new mom to a tiny baby. My husband was stationed on the other side of the country for the better part of nine months, and we were going through a global pandemic, if you can recall. To say that I was scared is a severe understatement, but I took the time and I felt God call me back and say it's time to start, not living in the world but to land on firm foundation so i was pursuing god harder than i ever have in my life and i was met with great peace and happiness in the middle of all of this chaos but on the other side of it i was also met with a great opposition and a spiritual warfare that i almost didn't make it through in august of 2020 i decided to come back to grace point because i knew i could trust the leadership here and i really needed to have the consistency of church back in my life in a very short amount of time, God called me from just sitting in the congregation to serving in whatever cap- whatever capacity that I could, whether that was on the worship team or doing lights, or even more recently, starting a women's Bible study that is so near and dear to my heart. Like I said, I had a very long, long backstory. I made a lot of bad mistakes. I have a long history, and I didn't think that life change could happen for me, but the second... Do- God called me to obey Him, and we stepped out into an unfamiliar territory, my life has been so great, so blessed, and so much happier than I ever thought it could be. So if it can happen for me, it can happen for you. I'm so thankful for Grace Point and the leadership here and the support that we have, and I'm so thankful to be helping to serve Grace Point in our Kitsap County community.
1: Amen. I get the pleasure of seeing life change happen in Lexi's life week in and week out. And it's incredible. Her story is incredible because of what God has done in her life. And the same God who changed Lexi's life, is the same God who changed my life, the same God who changed James' life, and Aisha, and Janine, and he's available to you. The same God who transforms and redeems and covers by his blood, he's calling, he's calling And he's available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have access to God, which is an incredible thing. It's such an incredible thing to say, I can step forward in faith and confidence and boldly approach this throne and say, God, here I am, broken, unworthy God, a sinner. Cleanse me, heal me. And he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all your iniquity because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. To be singing a new song, it's called The Same God, it's about calling on the God of Jacob, the God of David, and so the same God who is available to the Israelites, the same God who's available to us, and so as we sing this song, I'd like you to listen and take it to heart, we're going to be singing it again at the end of the service, and as we sing it, if you feel like standing, that's okay, or just listen, that's okay as well, but this is called The Same God.
2: generations I know that you will keep your curve
1: Thank you for making me new guys. Give me new opportunity to come into a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being the same yesterday. to us. Thank you God that you are trustworthy, thankful God that you are faithful always. God, we present our lives as a living sacrifice to you, saying thank you, God. Thank you, God, for renewing me and changing me. You are worthy of our praise this morning, Jesus. Pray that you open our hearts and our ears to hear your word with clarity today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
0: That is terrifying. That was. (laughs) Good morning. Good to see all of you. Uh, I'm Kevin, one of the pastors here. Barry will be back next week. And uh, as he was going to be gone visiting uh, the grandbabies and uh, enjoying some time away, he said, Kevin, he said, Look, I, I need you to preach on the 15th. And he said, You can preach on whatever you want. Right? And and I now look. Just confession is good for the soul. Um, I have I have been a pastor in a few churches, and there was part of me that said, you know, I could reach back and uh, preach a message that none of you have heard, and uh, find you know like the, the, the best one out of them, and 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 do that. And I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, what what do you want me to speak on? And. Uh, I came across this song, Same God, we just, we just sang. Isn't that a powerful worship song? I mean, that, that I just, it's one of my favorite songs, uh, Elevation Worship. And I started thinking about, okay, God, what do you want me to speak on? See, I have grown up in the church my entire life. And I know that's not everyone's story, but that's my story. I'm thankful for my spiritual heritage. Uh, I have grown up in the church so much that when I was still in my mother's womb, uh, I was going to church, and uh, we went. And back when I was going to church, we did church Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, um, and any other time. I think the church doors were open. I uh, went to a Christian school, went to a Christian college, got my master's degree at a Christian school. I have been in the church for 52 years of my life. Right? So thank you. I'm 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 happy for that. I really am. I've got a lot of friends who don't have that story. They, they, In fact, I've got friends that, that don't even understand how this whole church thing works. Like it's a kind, kind of weird that people come together and they come together on Sunday and they come in and they sing and, and there's this Bible and, and you talk about God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And how does all of that work? I and mean, that just seems a little odd. Now for me, I've always grown up with it. But for others, they really don't understand how it all works. So I felt like God was saying, hey, Kevin... Just talk about that. So that's what we're going to do today. We are going to talk about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and how that all works to man, mankind. Now, this is not an exhaustive sermon, nor is this a sermon that's going to—you're not going to be here till like, tomorrow, okay? So there is, there is an end time to this. Um, there's no way that I could cover all the amazing things about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. There's, it's just—it would be impossible, but if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Barry did this message, a uh, series of messages, and he talked about an objective standard of truth. That, you know, remember he had the scale and he said, well, I, I feel like I'm 150 pounds. But then he stood on the scale, uh, scale and that was the objective standard of truth. We are going to look at God's word. That is our objective standard of truth. Everything we're going to talk about today is coming from God's word. Now, and if you're saying, well, I don't, I don't believe in the Bible. I respect that, but I'm going to ask you to come on this journey with me today. Like, let's just say for sake of argument, that the Bible is true, and just walk with me and let me explain to you as best I can why God is so important and why God is important to you, even if you don't even believe in God, and why Jesus is important, why the Holy Spirit is important, and how all that goes together. Now, the first thing that I want to look at is God. God is the creator of our relationship. Now, most people, when you hear God, Uh, especially outside of church, uh, curse words are attached to his name, right? I mean, you you probably have heard the name of God, but there's usually some words on the front end or the the back end of it. Um, God's name gets thrown around a lot. Um, He gets blamed for all the problems in the world. And then when we have problems in our lives, people suddenly become very religious. Uh, He's very popular at award shows, uh, especially for film and music. Uh, You hear God mentioned um, you can also hear God being talked about at a very close sporting event by both teams uh, actually talk about God and are, are praying to something. But God is so, so much bigger than that. A um, couple things that are really important for us to understand about God. See, God has always been. Now, that can mess with your head a little bit because we, you know, every, everything has a start and end date, especially milk in the refrigerator. Like it has a start and an end date, right? God has no start and he has no end. Uh, Job 36 says this, Behold, God is great and we know him not. The number of his years is inscrutable. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha, And the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. God has always been. God is perfect. He's holy. He's Almighty God. There is no one like him. Isaiah 6, 3 says, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, it's just important for us to understand because we have a tendency to, to put God on our level. That, you know, yeah, m- me and God. God is far beyond our, our wildest imagination, God is everywhere. God is almighty, He's God. Now, what's really important about that is that God created everything, and everything is dependent. On him. When I say that God is the creator of our relationship, God is the creator of relationship. Every single thing in the world that has ever been or ever will be is completely and totally dependent on God. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Nehemiah 9.6, You are the Lord, you alone you have made heaven The heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. The host of heaven worships you. I would encourage you um, in your notes, write down Job 38, 39, and 40. Job 38, 39, and 40. I would encourage you to go back. God is having this conversation with Job, and he talks about, hey, Job, where were you when I did this and I did this? And he talks about, hey, Job, are, were you there when I, when I created the ocean and I told the waves you can only go this far? Well, are you there when the mountain goat gives birth? Are you there when the animals in the wild are looking for food and they cry out to me? Do you, are you aware of all those things that are going on? Do you tell the morning when to start and the evening when to start? Who, who does all that, Job? God says, I do. God is the creator of relationship. Every single thing is dependent on Him. Psalm 65 says this The one who by His strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell all the ends of the earth are in awe of your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. My neighbor just went to the Grand Canyon. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon before? You stand on the edge and you, and you just, you are overwhelmed with, wow, this is awesome. God did that. That's all God. You ever been um, uh, on a mountain or at the ocean when, when you're away from light pollution and you can see the stars and the Milky Way and, or a beautiful sunrise? God. God does all that. He controls all that. He made all that. All the stuff that are around us, all of that is God. And yet this awesome God who controls everything wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. See, we were created for a relationship with him, including mankind. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us, that's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, made, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, if you notice, God made us different than creation. Um, creation is kind of a, uh, it's a forced relationship. If, if God... Creation cannot exist without God. If God stops thinking about a star, the star goes away. If God, you know, God holds the sun, God's moving the earth, God is in control of everything. But mankind, we are invited into a relationship with God, but God does not force that relationship on us. The the trees are are completely dependent on God. Now, taking a step back, are we completely dependent on God? Yes, absolutely. But God does not force that relationship on us. We get to choose. We were created in the image of God, not in the image of a tree or not in the image of a rock or not in the image of, of water. Now, now, why is that? Why did God choose to create man and woman in his image? In fact, in Genesis one thirty one, after woman was created, God called creation very good. Man and woman, and he stepped back. He, he, if you read in Genesis, it says, this is good, this is good, this is good. He creates man and woman, and he says, this is very good. We were created to have a relationship with God. And for a while, we enjoyed this, mankind enjoyed this perfect environment. You may have heard of Adam and Eve. Those are real people. God created Adam and Eve, and they had this perfect environment. There was no sin. There was no pain. There was no hurt. There was no anxiety, no anger. How do I know that? Because if you look in in, uh, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that man and woman walked around with completely no clothes on and were okay with it. They went to work with no clothes on. They just kind of exist. Oh, come on, people. That's good stuff. That's funny right there. I mean, mean, come on. Some of you don't even walk around your own house without any clothes on. I mean, like, you know, they they were walking around. There was no sin. There was no pain. There was nothing bad going on. It was this perfect environment. This perfect environment. That's how we were always meant to live with God. No sin. Imperfection created in the image of God. But, as man will do, acted out on their own insecurities, in their own pride, and they sinned against God. They decided, nope, God, thanks for all this nice stuff, but I got it from here. And sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, everything changed. See, God, as we said earlier, He's holy, He's sinless perfection. We as sinful people could not be, and we could not exist in that it is, God is so awesome, and He is so perfect, and He is so holy. And because of our sin, there's an instant barrier between us and God. Our sin created this barrier in this relationship. Yet even in our sin, God still wants a relationship with you and me. God still pursues a relationship with you and me. But you see, because of our sin, we have this gap in our lives now, if you don't believe anything about the Bible, I know you'll believe this. Have you ever met someone who has pursued something—an um, athletic event, wealth, um, fame—has um, multiple uh, partners, uh, has done drugs or alcohol, or wants to have a nice house or a nice car? And they get to the end, they they accomplish it, and then they're just kind of depressed and they're unhappy. You ever wonder how, how a celebrity or, or someone who seems to have it all has everything that the world has to offer, and then they kill themselves? Do you think, how in the world would somebody with all this just kill themselves? Because mankind, ever since we sinned, has been trying to fill that God gap with stuff. And nothing will satisfy that. However you see God, you know that's true in your own life because you've tried it. I've tried it. It's what we do as mankind. We try to fill this, this gap. There's this need in our lives to, we, we want this, we want to feel better, and we want peace, and we want, we, we want to just know that everything's going to be okay, and we try stuff in the world, and nothing satisfies it. The reason for that is that you and I were created in the image of God, and the only thing that can satisfy that is God. That's just how it works. So if you ever wondered that about yourself or your friends, wondering why, you know, why they're not happy, that's the reason why. Our sin created this barrier between, um, between me and God. And if you look in the Old Testament, how that worked is, is we needed a covering for our sin. We needed, we needed something to, to take care of our sins because we couldn't do it on our own. And so you, you saw religious things that would enter in, um, animal sacrifices and a, a priest. There would be someone that God would set up. It was kind of the go-between where, where you would go to the priest and you would, you would um, do animal sacrifices and there needed to be shedding of blood. And then the priest would go before God and, and would pray for all the sins of, of the people. It's this weird relationship that God never intended, but that's how it, it worked. It would be like, um, so my wife is Monica. Uh, Mike, uh, young guy, he's sitting over here. He's a really, really good friend of mine, right? Um, we hang out together. It would be like me trying to explain to Monica how much I loved her by going through Mike. And all. Uh, Mike, let me, let me tell you, What she means to me, and then I would tell Mike, and he'd write it down, and then he would go over and he would tell Monica, and he would. I mean, after a while, that's just that's not a a marriage relationship the way it's intended, right? It's a relationship, but it's not the way it was intended. That's the same idea: is that God wants a relationship with us, but there was this go-between, there was there was this thing, and it wasn't working the way it was in the garden, but yet God still wanted a relationship with us. So God, because He loved us. And we, because we could not remove our sin on our own, he said, I'm going to send a way to fix this and restore this relationship. So he sent his son to earth, Jesus Christ. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the restorer of our relationship. Jesus is the restorer of our relationship. Now, what's important about Jesus is in John chapter 1 The Bible says in the beginning, that's the very beginning, the creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, I know this can get confusing where you're like, wait, God created, and then there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and how does that all work? For me, one of the best explanations um, on, on how that works, think about water. Water ice, steam. It's all water. Steam is still water. Ice is still water. Water is water. There's three parts to it, but it's all the same. So God, who created, Jesus, who was there, said, I'm going to go to earth, and I'm going to step in, because this this thing that we have right now, it's not the way that, it's, it's not ideal. It's not the way that God wants it. And Jesus is the only one who could fix that. He's the only one that could restore it. Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. See, Jesus needed to come to earth. He needed to be born of a virgin. He was fully God and fully man. I think we have a tendency when we, read the, when we read the scriptures and we see Jesus, that we also kind of see Jesus as, as one of us, like, you know, hey Jesus, and you know, we, we kind of treat him as a pal. There is a human side to Jesus, there is also a holy side to Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, only Jesus could heal someone, only Jesus could forgive sins, only Jesus could could walk on water. Other people that walked on water were because of Jesus. Jesus is fully God. And Jesus is fully man. We needed to bridge that gap. And the only way that we could go from Kevin over here and God over here and this gap that sin created is to put Jesus Christ in the middle. That's the only way That it was going to work. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He felt emotions. He experienced difficult relationships. He faced temptation. He experienced loss, pain, rejection. But through all of it, he never sinned. He was sinless. That's important. Because you can't have someone who is sinful. I mean, as much as I love you and care about you, I'm a sinful person. I can't, if I stop sinning, I'm still sin. I can't be a sacrifice for anyone. Jesus is sinless. He's the only one that could provide that sacrifice. He's the only one that could restore what sin broke. Hebrews 9.22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And then over in Hebrews 10, it says, And by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Before Jesus, it were these rituals that you had to do and it it just covered your sin. When Jesus came and he died and he shed his blood, and he rose from the dead. He, caught, he, he restored our relationship. His blood restored the relationship. He's the only one who could. Jesus did what the priest and animal sacrifices could not accomplish. He permanently paid for our sin. That's why he came to earth. That's why he willingly died on the cross. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he rose from the dead. He paid for our sin once and for all. And I find it interesting because sometimes, uh, to, to be honest with you, sometimes um, it's hard for me to wrap my head around God wanting a relationship with me, that, that God being a relational God. I mean, I know me. <laughs> I know what I can be like. And you know you. You know what you can be like. And yet God still wants a relationship with me and he still wants a relationship with you. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus is having this conversation and he, and he says, come to me, all who labor and are weary, and and I will give you rest. He says, uh, take my yoke upon me. It's an idea of of being um, oxen. They would wear yokes, and you would have an older, mature oxen and a younger kind of squirrely oxen. They would be yoked together, and they would walk in the same path together, and you would learn the ways from the the older, mature oxen. Jesus is using the same analogy and saying, be yoked with me. Be yoked with me and learn from me. I'm gently uh, gentle and lowly in heart, but here's the key. Jesus says, "And you will find rest for your soul." We can find rest in a lot of things. You can relax, relaxing in a lot of things, but there's nothing here on this earth that will give you rest for your soul. That's the God hole in our heart from the very beginning. Jesus saying, "Come to me, I will give you rest." For your soul Jesus came to restore our relationship with, with God. He says this: "I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's impossible. The only way that we, in our sinful nature, can be restored to God is through a sinless sacrifice, and that's Jesus Christ. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life, that's salvation. Life abundantly, that's relationship. That's living in relationship with God that we can experience that right now, right here in this moment. It's the gap in in our lives that we fill with all the other things and, and, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Religion is exhausting. It's exhausting. Come live in relationship with me and you'll find rest for your souls. When Jesus rose from the dead, he knew that his time here on earth was coming to an end. See, the first time that Jesus came, it was to restore our relationship with God. Jesus is coming back, but he's coming back as a conquering king, and that's going to look very different when he comes back. Very, very different. But he needed to come the first time because he was the one that could restore our relationship with God. He's the only one. But because God continues to want to live in relationship with us, this, this just blows my mind. God, the creator of relationship. Jesus, the restorer of relationship. And Jesus saying, I, I need to go back to heaven. I'm going to come back. But he left a part of him with us. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit here you know in church and, and but the holy spirit is the sustainer of our relationship the holy spirit is is here you you may have seen the holy, you, you may have seen the holy spirit in that um we might call it a conscience if you don't yet you know, know jesus you, you might go ah, you know I probably shouldn't do that or something drew you to church um I'll, I'll give you an example a true story I've actually had this happen twice. Um, There was a guy years ago who was driving down the street. It was the middle of the week, driving down the street. He pulled into our parking lot, knocked on the door, came in. He walked into the office and he said, Can somebody please tell me how to have a relationship with Jesus? I just felt like I was supposed to pull over and come into this church. And I am not making that up. That's the Holy Spirit moving in someone's life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, before you have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit is drawing you to God. John 16, 8 and 9 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. That's that's what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. God is still present. God is still here. The Holy Spirit is here right now speaking in the hearts and lives of people. For those who have a relationship with God, He's speaking into their heart, and for those that don't, he's drawing you saying, won't you please begin a relationship with God? John 14, 16 and 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The moment that you begin a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives Inside of you, this relationship with God, this gap that we have um, outside of God, the Holy Spirit comes and fills. And as we move and live in this relationship with God, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks to. We read the Bible, we're like, "Oh, I, I, you know, I, I I needed to hear that." For those of you that have relationship with God, you've, you've experienced this, right? Where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden a verse pops out, and you're like. Whoa, where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit. I, I needed that today. That's the Holy Spirit moving your life. Um, I, I, you call somebody and say, I don't know why I'm calling you. I feel like I'm supposed to call and pray for you. Is everything okay? And the person goes, oh, my word, this just happened. Thank you so much for calling. That's the Holy Spirit. See, we're not smart enough to do that on our own. That's the Holy Spirit moving inside of us in, in, in our lives. That's our relationship with God coming alive. And the idea is that we grow in our relationship with God, that we look more like Jesus and less like our old sin nature. That we move more into pointing people to Christ with our lives and and less like living like I did before Jesus. Romans 6, 8, verse 26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It means that there's, another, a, there's never a moment in your life where you're alone. No matter what you go through, no matter how bad life on this earth gets, living in my relationship with God that the Holy Spirit is with us, and moves in us and gives us peace that passes all understanding, Philippians tells us. That's the Holy Spirit. That God, because he wants a relationship with us so much, that he sent his son to restore that relationship and then leaves the Holy Spirit here so that we can sustain this relationship with God. I find find it so interesting, though, that God does not force this relationship on us. I mean, we have access to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God, the creator of the universe that holds everything. Jesus, who has experienced everything that we could experience as a human being, and yet did not sin. And we have access in relationship with him because of what he did on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit, who continues to, to speak into our lives. We are the only part of creation that has a choice. Trees don't have a choice. They have a relationship with God. God sustains all of them. Birds, animals, grass, the weather, all of that is dependent on God. He controls it. But we get to choose. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And and something has always struck me in this conversation. I've... I've had a bunch of Easter's, and, and I don't know why it hit me differently this year, but, but something just really, I was like, wow, that, I've never really seen it that way before. The night before Jesus was to be crucified, he was in the garden with his disciples, and he was asking God if there was another way for God's wrath to be re- removed. Luke 22 says this, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are, re- are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Here's the part that I have, I, 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 like a light just clicked on this year. Jesus is God. He's fully God and He's fully man. And and yes, what He was about to experience to pay for our sin was unimaginable—the torture, people leaving Him, being crucified, dying on the cross—all of those things. But He's also God, so He knew that in three days He was going to rise from the dead. And I'm like, that's always like, what is that all about? I mean, nobody wants to experience that, but. He knew he was going to rise from the dead. What's all the angst about? Well, if you read the next day when he's on the cross, Jesus has a conversation with God that's very different. See, Jesus knew that in order for him to pay for our sin, he had to to experience complete separation of relationship. He had to experience what it would be like to have no opportunity for a relationship with God, to have God completely turn his back on him because of all of our sin. Now, look, we don't experience that right now. Because even though you, even if you say, I don't believe in God, the Holy Spirit is still here. Even if you go, I, you know, I, I don't accept Jesus, I, I don't want any of that, The Holy Spirit is still here. God is still pursuing you. Jesus is still pursuing you. You still have an opportunity. But Jesus knew that the payment for sin was for God to completely turn his back. The absence of God. And it stressed him out so much. The Bible says he was sweating drops of blood. Matthew 27, verse 46. Jesus, when he's on the cross, he has this moment and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus understands the terror of being absent from God. I, you know, I've, I've heard this said before that, you know, how, how could a loving God send people to hell? Well, here's the reality. God doesn't send people to hell. Man chooses hell. Man chooses hell. Because you and I have an opportunity, and many opportunities, to begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In fact, if you're here in church and you're older, my guess is you have had more than one time in in a service where you have heard the gospel being presented, the call to have a relationship with God. And if you've never accepted that and said, I don't want any part of that, What you are in essence doing is saying, I am rejecting this free gift of salvation. And that's okay. That's your choice. But please understand something. Rejecting God is choosing hell. Because we don't know how much time we have. We don't know. You do not know when the the sand is going to run out on your hourglass. Only God knows that. And as long as you are still breathing air on this earth, You have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But if you step out into eternity, having rejected this free gift of salvation, in that moment you will experience what Jesus experienced on the cross. And before you think that hell's gonna be a party, please understand that the Son of God, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, was so stressed about that moment he was gonna experience. The Bible says he was sweating drops of blood and he was asking God, Is there another way? So please do not think that hell is going to be some fun party you're going to hang out with all of your friends. I completely disagree. In fact, I think part of what hell's going to be, and this is just my own opinion, I think part of hell is going to be regret for all the moments that people could have said yes to Jesus and in their own pride said, I don't want anything to do with it. And you're going to know all the times where you could have said yes, you could have said yes and said, nope, I'm choosing me. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to to whip anybody up and you know and grab onto the chairs and and be afraid, but I am trying to warn you because I I I don't just believe the gospel part of of the Bible, I believe all of the Bible. And just as heaven is very real, so is hell. And it was something that was never intended for you. It was never intended. God does not want any of us to go to hell. That's why he sent his son. Jesus does not want anyone to choose hell. It's why he willingly went on the cross. It's why he experienced something he doesn't want anyone to ever experience complete separation from God. He doesn't want that. And the Holy Spirit doesn't want anyone to go to hell because that's why right now he's moving in the hearts and lives of people. Please say yes to Jesus. Please say yes to Jesus. Why would anyone choose anything else? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. With no one looking around and every head bowed, how do you begin a relationship with God? It's, it's actually quite simple. I confess, I believe, I accept, I invite. Right now, where you're sitting in, the, in this quiet moment with no one looking around, you can have a conversation with God. And you can say something like this. And again, it's not, there's not some magic prayer that you pray. It's a condition of the heart. But right now you can say something like this to, to God. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't get to God on my own. I believe that that Jesus Christ is the only one who can pay for my sins. Jesus, forgive me. God, I accept your free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And right now, I invite Jesus into my life to restore my relationship to God. The Bible says that if you said that to God, right now in this moment, you are immediately changed. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of God. You are now experiencing a relationship with God. You were always created to have. Whether you're sitting here in this room or you're watching online, you are now experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, if you're in this room and you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you a favor. Again, no one's looking around, but if, if you said yes to Jesus today, I'm going to ask you a favor. I'm going to ask you to just put your head up and just look at me. We're just going to make eye contact. Just you and me. I'm looking around the room. If you said yes to Jesus, just look up at me. All around the room. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask those of you that just said yes to Jesus around the room, we're going to go one step more. I want to have a conversation with you. And it's a big room and there's a lot of people. And so I want us to meet together. So on the count of three, we're going to stand up. You're going to stand up and I'm going to stand up. No one else is looking around. It's just you and me. And we're going to walk over to this corner, to my left, to your right. And we're going to, we're going to talk real brief as the service continues. So if you said yes to Jesus, you're looking at me. On the count of three, we're going to stand up. Ready? One, two, three. Stand up. Stand up. Amen. 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 Now as scary as it is, you're just looking at me, it's just us. We're going to walk this way. I'm going to invite you guys to come over. No one's looking around. We're just going to walk right over here to the corner. It's okay. It's just us. And we're going to talk to you and pray. I'm so excited for you guys. I really am. This is fantastic that people have said yes to Jesus today. Amen. 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 Come on over, friends. That's awesome. That is awesome. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you pursue us, that you pursue relationship. God, I pray for my friends that have said yes to you today. God, I'm so excited for them. I once was lost, but now I'm found. God, I pray that you will just continue to move in the hearts and lives of people, that if there's anyone else here today that said yes to you, that they would make their way over here as we continue to sing. God, thank you for loving us in relationship. Jesus, thank you for saving us From our sins, Holy Spirit, thank you for being real in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: This one of the things that just gets our heart is that when we see God changing lives. So we're so thankful what's happening. Would you please stand? We're gonna sing this song together again called Same God. Girl Further, that we can call on.
2: You heard your children then, you hear your children now, you are the same God, you are the same God, you answered prayers back then and you will answer now, you are the same God, you are the same.
1: for being available to us this morning. For being available to call on at our most desperate time. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. You wrap up this congregation with your love and your security as they go out into the world and to face unknown challenges, God. I'm so thankful that we can know and be confident that you're going to be with us. You're worthy of all the glory and all the praise this morning, Jesus. And it's in your mighty, wonderful, powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to Grace Point Church today. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for what God's doing in the lives of people here at Grace Point. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.